Well, hello. My name is Phil Congdon. I am pastor of New Braunfels Bible Church. Welcome to the Assured by Grace podcast. Uh, normally, I am sitting alongside Danny Woodward, who is the moderator for this podcast, but Danny's not with us today. And instead, I have with me a special guest to join us today for our discussion. Uh, and we're going to be talking uh, about the assurance of salvation, the gospel, and we're going to be looking at scripture today. Uh, my guest today is Dr. Charlie Bang. Uh, many will recognize the name. Uh, he's the author of uh, books, but I'm, I'll let you, Charlie, just uh, share a little bit about yourself and, and your ministry before we get started. Well, thank you, Pastor Phil, for having me today. Uh, right now, I am founder and director of Grace Life Ministries, which I started while I was pastor, pastored for, in pastoral ministry for 25 years. And we tell people that we share the gospel of grace with unbelievers and the grace of the gospel with believers, because we find that many people are confused about the gospel of grace and the meaning of grace and its implications in salvation and the Christian life. And so we minister uh, by putting out resources and also around the world training uh, pastors mostly and in the United States through conferences and church speaking. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned around the world. Uh, and uh, You also have a, uh, a Grace Life Institute. Uh, just share a little bit of that. What countries are you in and, uh, and, and how does that program work? A little bit. Yeah, the Grace Life Institute is a four-year program where we teach 12 courses that basically grounds pastors in uh, the gospel of grace and other basic uh, ministry skills, but it's not a com comprehensive yeah. seminary education. We just want to ground them in grace because the gospels they're preaching is so unclear, as you know. And uh, we've been doing this in India and in Myanmar, which is sometimes called Burma, in uh, Burundi in East Africa and Ghana and West Africa. And um, there's probably another country I'm leaving out. But I do teach regularly in other schools for other venues. Yeah. And then uh, and, uh, are there some other countries that you might be getting into? Uh, is Zimbabwe one that you might get into? Yeah, we were going to begin in Zimbabwe uh, uh, last year, but COVID shut us out of that. And Zambia, actually I'm training Grace Life Institute online in Zambia right okay. now and uh, invitations to do it in other countries like um, Honduras. Well, let me just mention, uh, for, for all of those who are listening today, we're going to, to be talking about Scripture, uh, in particular one Scripture passage. But one of the books that uh, Dr. Bing has written is this book right here, uh, Grace, Salvation, and Discipleship. And this book uh, has been a big help for a lot of people dealing with the interpretation of certain passages of Scripture. Uh, I think a lot of people have uh, been reading through the Bible. And maybe if you're a pastor or, or a Sunday school teacher, you've been uh, going through a class and you come to a verse and uh, perhaps you, you look at a commentary uh, or maybe you've heard somebody speaking about uh, that verse and the way that they talked about it confused you about what it meant. Um, uh, Charlie, just explain, what have you done in this book, Grace, Salvation, and Discipleship, and how is that geared to help people uh, as they're studying or teaching the Bible? Yeah, as you said, there's a lot of Bible verses that are confusing to people because they seem to say that you can lose your salvation 
or that you have to work for your salvation, verses like that. So this book covers 130 different Bible passages that are often confusing to people on the subjects of grace, salvation, and discipleship. And uh, using the context, I show that people can really understand the scriptures from the context. I don't quote a lot of commentaries. And I think it's important for people to have the confidence, as we'll see today when we discuss our passage, that yeah. the context, the Bible is the best commentator on itself. Yeah. So I use a model that I, got, I borrowed from um, Dr. David Anderson called A Truth, B Truth. A Truth are the verses that are speaking about salvation, eternal salvation. And B Truth are the verses that speak about the Christian life or discipleship. And making that distinction is one of the most important things you can do in Bible study. And it is amazing how often uh, this happens. Uh, it seems uh, to me, and maybe you can comment on this too, that, that many times uh, I listen to preachers on the radio or uh, maybe I'm reading books by them, and it seems like every passage, every time there's a mention of any kind of judgment or any kind of uh, retribution or, or problem or sin and and it's uh, the evidence of sin in somebody's life, what that means, it's always heaven or hell. And that's just one way or the other. That's, that's why I, in the book, I take words like salvation and fire and death and show that they have a range of meanings. Yeah. Salvation is not always, in fact, only 36% of the time in the New Testament is salvation, used of eternal salvation. Oh. And then I have seven different meanings for how death is used in the New Testament. So yeah, we, we tend to just be real simplistic about it in our Bible study and uh, divide things into heaven, every verse into heaven or hell. Yeah. And, uh, it, but the context will tell us. Yeah, I, I like to refer to this as pastors or teachers or theologians uh, committing what I call hermeneutical felonies. That is, uh, they're just taking something and they're giving it a meaning without actually the due diligence of study. And uh, well, let's get right into it. This is, uh, this is where we're going to be focusing today. Uh, our focus today is going to be on a passage of Scripture that is often uh, quoted by um, certain pastors or, or teachers or authors, and it's quoted in such a way that you need to uh, look at your life and your works and, and how hard you're trying or if you're avoiding sin to see whether or not you're saved. And that verse is 2 Corinthians 13.5. Now, uh, uh, we'll put it up on the screen. You can look at this. This, uh, this verse, you probably heard this. Uh, this is where the Apostle Paul, in his, uh, the second epistle to the Corinthians, writes, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Now, on the surface, let's just admit that probably uh, uh, there are, I don't know, I haven't done any study on this, but from my vantage point, about nine out of 10 people who read that immediately think, oh no, I need to test myself to see if I'm going to heaven or hell. Have you found that? Yeah, it's, it's very much misused. And it's, see, from the preacher's perspective, it's, it preaches easily because everybody knows that they're not living a perfect life. And so it puts people into all this self-examination, but they're, 
they're not always, I think, mindful of the harmful consequences of that yeah. because some people are much more introspective than others. You know, what you, I'm going to ask you to do, if you're, uh, when, if you're watching this wherever, the, wherever you are, if you can, you might want to grab a Bible or else get your phone and just open it up and, and be <laughs> looking at 2 Corinthians 13 because we want to see this verse in its immediate context and in the whole context. So I'm going to grab my Bible. Why don't you uh, just, uh, what are some of the fundamental issues that you would say the first things you need to understand about this verse? Well, the first thing you need to understand about the verse is its context, of course, and the circles of context begin with, uh, well, here it will begin with who are the Corinthians and who is Paul writing to. He established a church in Corinth and he's writing to the believers there. And we know from 1 Corinthians, they had all kinds of problems. So uh, it really, right there, it tells you that for them to examine themselves and their works is going to throw them into a tailspin because they were divisive, they were yeah. proud, they were suing each other, they were involved in sexual immorality, and they were abusing the Lord's Supper and so on. Yeah. Well, Paul knew that and they knew that. So anyway, that's the context. He's dealing with the problems in the first epistle. That caused some problems and in the second epistle, however, he finds that they had a good response after all, but there were still people in Corinth who were questioning his authenticity and authority as an apostle, and he felt the need to defend himself. So really, 2 Corinthians is very loosely organized, in my opinion. It's not structured like 1 Corinthians. It's just an emotional plea from the apostle Paul to restore the fellowship with the Corinthians and to defend himself as an apostle. Mm, okay. Really, that theme of defense goes all the way through the book of 2 Corinthians, yep. and, and this is part of it when he comes to chapter 13. Yeah, I was just, uh, just going to comment. Uh, 1 Corinthians is, it's interesting that the, the way that 1 Corinthians is sort of put together, it's, it's dealing with issues that were going on in the church, some of them that had been told to Paul and others that he knew about himself. And he's trying to deal with these issues in sort of in an organized fashion. But right in the middle of that in, in 1 Corinthians 5, you know, he, he's got a real problem. Uh, they've got immorality. It's open immorality. And they're saying, we don't really need to deal with this. And he's saying, man, you've got to deal with this. And, and so he was pretty hard on them. But you're right that in 2 Corinthians, uh, you know, I can't remember the verse, but doesn't he say something like sufficient? Uh, you know, you don't have to beat up this guy anymore. You guys, have, you guys have responded. That's great. But there was still this issue of, you know, is Paul really up to the standard of the other apostles? Yeah, he, he sarcastically calls them the eminent apostles. Yeah. And uh, I think it's in chapter 10. And... Uh, he uses that tone of uh, sarcasm in many places, which we need to understand also. And, and he uses irony also in speaking yeah. to them. And we'll find it in the passage that we look at today. Yeah. Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, again, if you have your Bibles in front of you, uh, you know, this is obviously, this is the end of, of his epistle. He's, he's starting to come to the end. Uh, and, you know, you might just want to start back in one, verses 1 or 2 there, uh, because it's interesting, he, you know, he writes about, you know, um, you're seeking proof that it's Christ who speaks in me, uh, in, in verse 3. 
you know, you, you know, you want to, you want to have proof that, that I'm really an apostle, I, I guess. And, and how does he weave that into turning it around and telling them to test themselves? Well, let, let me take you back before we discuss that issue of proof here, back to chapter three okay. and verse one through three. And I'm just going to read that. And you'll see there he's talking about, do I need a letter of reference? Do I need a yeah. letter of commendation? In other words, do I need to prove myself to you? And listen to how he says it. He says, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation mm. to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written with ink, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. It sounds like he's, he's saying to them, hey, you guys, you guys are our, uh, you know, that if you want to have proof that I'm an, an apostle of Jesus Christ and that my message is true, it's you guys. Exactly. And, and he's not at all questioning their salvation here. Yeah. He is affirming it. Yeah. And that's going to be the basis of his argument throughout the book, but really when we come to 2 Corinthians. So he says, since you, verse 3, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak towards you, but mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live uh, with him by the power of God towards you. So he's, he's there clearly asserting his authority and his power that he has from God mm -hmm. through the risen Christ. But That's then he, 2 Corinthians 13, verses 3 and 4 there that we just were looking at. Right. But then okay. we come to the often misused ver verse, which is verse 5 where he says, test yourselves, the New King James says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Um, now, what does it mean to be in the faith? Yeah. Some people say uh, to be living faithfully, uh, but I think this Paul is arguing about his authenticity. He's saying, look, and he's, he's not saying as if he doesn't know, because we already saw yeah. he affirmed that they're in the faith. Uh, he's just saying, look, you're in the faith. He's actually affirming it here. Examine yourselves. You're in the faith. Test yourselves. Uh, uh, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Uh, now, that's a rhetorical question. Yeah. And the answer is obvious. Of course, they know that Jesus Christ is in them. So when they look at their own testimony and they know that they are in the faith, the Christian faith, I take it as, mm -hmm. they know that Christ is in them. How does that help the Apostle Paul authenticate himself? Well, he's simply saying, if you want proof that I'm an apostle, look at yourselves. In other words, who preached the gospel to you? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, you know, I brought to you the gospel that I was passed on to me, and, uh, yeah. I, and you mm -hmm. received it, and you stand in it. Yeah. And then he explains the gospel there. So they received the gospel that he preached. If they're saved then he must be authentic because he's the one that preached okay. the gospel to them. Yeah. So it's a rhetorical question. And the sarcasm here is, uh, or the irony maybe, is uh, yeah. why are you examining me? Examine yourselves. If you're the real thing, I must be the real thing because I brought the message to you. Yeah. You know, it's ironic, and you mentioned irony, but I find the irony in the use of verses like this uh, and this is not, I'm not talking about the exposition or the exegesis of the verse. I'm talking about uh, the way that people apply it. 
And I find that very often the people who do this, they're not suggesting just that somebody tests themselves. They're really saying, uh, I've looked at your life and, and your life doesn't measure up. Uh, you know, you're not good enough. Uh, because honestly, there, you could have somebody who says, listen, I, I've looked at my life and I'm sure I'm saved. But I listen to a lot of the, the, the messages that, that I hear and the implications that I hear. And it's, um, I, I can look at your life and I can determine whether you're saved or not. And what Paul, even if Paul were saying this, he would be saying, you know, look at your own lives. But the problem that, that I have with this is that these people did have a lot of problems. In fact, these were probably the problem church of the New Testament, uh, all kinds of problems. But all through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, there's the implication that what we're, t- we're dealing with here are believers that he's not giving them the gospel. He's saying, live like it. Don't you, don't you realize this? You are saved. You are a new creation. Second Corinthians 5, 17. You are in Christ. You are a new creation. So live like it. Yeah, I think one observation that we should make also is that he doesn't actually tell them to examine their works. Yeah. If they did that, they would certainly flunk the test, the word dokimos, and, and then they use in him, he said uh, in verse 6, uh, you will know that we are not disqualified or ad yes. which means to not pass the test. But he does not ask them to look at their works. He knew their works would yeah. cause them to, to flunk the test, so to speak. What he's asking them is whether they are in in Christ, and Christ is in them, and, and they are faithful to him, and uh, mm. uh, re- reflecting his life. But if Christ is in them, then he must be the authentic apostle who brought them that message. Yeah, and a problem here is maybe just the way this word is translated at the end of verse 5, uh, fail the test. Sometimes it says disqualified. Um, uh, what, what, I mean, and obviously... Uh, this is a a verse that a verse in first Corinthians uh, many people will know immediately Paul in first Corinthians 9 27 he says I buffet my body I make it my slave lest after I have preached to others I myself should be disqualified or that's again the same word that that we have here and I've actually heard I know that there are preachers out there, and maybe some of our listeners have heard them, that'll say, well, look at Paul thought that he might not be saved. Yeah, the, the analogy he's using, of course, is buffeting his body as an athlete. Yep. And if an athlete breaks the rules or doesn't train properly, he's not going to qualify uh, or pass the test. He's not yeah. talking about salvation. Paul never thought he could lose his salvation. So uh, that, that it's is used the same most, way yeah. here. Yeah, It's one of the most baffling things that, uh, once you start going down this pathway of saying that a verse like this is, and I'm going to use the terminology from grace, salvation, discipleship, if somebody says, that's an A-truth verse, I've got to test myself to see if I'm going to heaven, you will never get to the end of that tunnel because there is going to be every, every time you're reading, oh no, what about that? We, we think about sins of commission, like uh, 
you know, I haven't committed murder and rape and I haven't done anything bad, but what about sins of omission? Boy, we, we all, if we think about it, uh, do we really honor God positively with our lives and our thoughts? And once you start going to this to examine myself to see if I'm saved, I don't know that there is an end to that. Well, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul said something very uh, profound as well because they were judging him there also. And he says, look, I don't care what other men, I'm yeah. paraphrasing. Yes. First Corinthians, Corinthians 1, 4, 4 through 5, yeah. uh, 1 through 5. Yeah. Uh, he says, I don't care about what others say about you. I don't even consider my own judgment. I don't even take my own judgment seriously, but it's all going to come to light one day yeah. with God as the judge. So Paul didn't even trust the judgment of his, yeah. himself. So how can we ever know, like you say, what we should be doing what we have done, sins of omission, conscience sins, unconscious sins, um, unintentional sins, you know, like not praying or not witnessing to somebody. Yeah. Uh, we might do that and not be aware of it. So when we get down that road of introspection, like you say, it never ends and it just bogs you down in a big miry pit. Yeah, it is. It's theological quicksand. And uh, many, many Christians have, uh, have gotten stuck in it and, and they're wallowing in it and they feel like they're sinking. Uh, let me just, since uh, we've been talking about this, uh, you know, if you were, uh, I'll just say, preaching this, uh, you know, just talking about this, what would you say uh, to the average person when you're reading this passage, this is the message to take to heart uh, from Second uh, Corinthians 13. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, after we understand that he's not telling us to question our salvation, it's okay to examine some things, but examining yourself is going to get you nowhere. The Bible nowhere tells us to look at our own works to see whether we're a Christian. But what we should examine is what we can verify objectively, that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, that he died for our sins, that he rose from the dead. Those are objective facts. We should examine that. And if we believe that and the promise that he gave us of eternal life, then we are saved. And it's all outside of ourselves. So uh, it's okay to examine things, but not within. He doesn't tell us to examine your works here. Yeah. Uh, he, but we can examine the gospel facts that he gave us. And when we look at the gospel facts... We can, we can verify them from the Scripture and from oh, many different lines, angles of evidence. And uh, if we believe that, then we are saved. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get people questioning me all the time, uh, emails and so forth. They say, well, you know, I believe in Christ, but I'm not sure I'm saved. And uh, my answer to them is, well, you, you either believe or you don't. If you believed in Christ as your Savior and His gift of eternal life, then you're saved. And, uh, you, you know, you can have doubts afterwards, but if you believe that, then you're saved. Uh, so the question is not how are you living, what have you done, because sometimes they're struggling with sin. Yep. But the question is, what do you believe today? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior from sin? Have you received his gift of eternal life? Uh, you recognize that you've been separated from God, and, and he has restored that through his death and resurrection. Mm. And then they can know for certain. So the question is, what do you believe today? Not what have you done today or how do you feel today yeah, um, yeah. and so forth. You know what I, I love about uh, this? And uh, th 
I think if, if our listeners, if you're listening and you're just wondering about this, uh, you know, you, you come to these verses. And 2 Corinthians 13, 5 is one of these verses that you're reading along and you stop and you say, whoa, where did that come from? Keep reading. And then read back and read the context again. And what I, what I love is that even Paul, you, you keep reading, and this is how he finishes up his letter. Finally, brethren. Now, wait a minute. How does he know that? If he is actually telling them, you need to you know, examine yourselves because maybe you're not brethren. Now he, he's, he is understanding these are his brothers in Christ. And then he says this, rejoice. He's telling them to rejoice. He's not telling them to be introspective navel gazers and looking over and over to see if they're really in. He says, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded. This is verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 13. Be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And he ends up verse 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now those are words that just resonate with assurance and encouragement that even though, yeah, Paul could have really been turned on them because of their doubting whether he was uh, up, to the, up to the level of uh, the other apostles. But instead, he is so encouraging. I find this all through his writings and, and uh, interpreting certain passages uh, as we come to them saying, oh no, now I don't know whether I'm saved or not. You just, you do need to look at the context of that. The context is so clear. You ended with 2 Corinthians at the very end, how he affirms that they are brethren. But if you would go all the way back to 1 Corinthians, the beginning verses, okay. he addresses them as Christians. And, and in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, he says, you are washed, you are justified, you are sanctified. Yeah. You can't be any clearer about his stance towards them but they were beginning to question him because of false teachers and he just reminds them that hey if you're christians that who brought you the message i did so i must be the real thing <laughs> and uh, he uses that kind of sarcasm and irony especially in chapter 10 and 11 when he talks about his suffering uh in his terms there but he's, he's very clever in his argumentation i think he was a lawyer he probably, he probably was pretty experienced in, in making good arguments. Um, well, you know, this is a, this is a, a great discussion. I, I'd love to just go through a, a number of different passages. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, this, this is an excellent book. It is an excellent resource, and it certainly is a, a way that... Um, it's not, this is not a technical book. In other words, you don't have to know Greek and Hebrew to be able to follow um, this book. What, it's, what it really is, is I think uh, a book that uh, Sunday school teachers, or let's say you're a Christian parent and uh, you'd like to read the Bible with your kids, but you don't because you're afraid you're going to come to that verse and you're going to say, oh, I don't know what that means. Uh, this is, this is one of those books that can be 
really helpful, I think, for that. I really did write it more as a reference tool. It's not the kind of book you want to sit and read through. No, yeah. Not everybody. Some, some are doing, many are doing that. It's a resource because you're going to run. It's not going to be long before you'll hear somebody quote 2 Corinthians 13, 5, that you have to examine yourself to see if you're really a Christian. Oh, yeah. uh, it won't be long after this podcast that you're listening to before you'll hear somebody else say that. And this book answers that question, but this podcast answers that question. Uh, you need to stop listening to that preacher probably because yeah. it's just going to throw you and many other people into confusion. And they're going to take you to a few other passages, but this is one of their key passages that they love, love to go yeah. to. Now, just before we go, you have a podcast. Uh, yeah, now, your podcast is called um, uh, Simply by Grace uh, Podcast. And actually, that's the title of a book you've written, too. What was that book uh, about? Just Simply, by, Simply by Grace has uh, been our bestseller uh, and most popular book, and it's translated now into about 12 or working on 13 languages. Uh, but it's basically introducing the subject of grace. What is grace from A to Z, really? What is grace? And then uh, how, how we saved by grace, secured by grace, assured by grace, and live by grace. And how do we, at the end, how do we share it? Yeah. So it just takes people through that that. Well, and it, it, yeah, this is going to, uh, what you, you said, I think this is going to be something that as long as humans are on this earth, we're going to be encountering the issue of how can I, um, how can I get saved? How can I stay saved? How do, can I prove I'm saved? How can I know I'm saved? These questions are going to be floating around uh, because, um, well, I think there's a, an enemy of our souls. And uh, the last thing he wants is for Christians to be resting in their relationship with God as their Heavenly Father through faith in Jesus Christ. So thank you for coming, um, Charlie, and sharing this, this time with us. And hope you'll be back with us next time when we have another Assured by Grace podcast.